What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hot Takes. It is I, Young Shiro, and my colleague, Skeleton Lipstick. Hello. Welcome to the Internet's only vaporwave talk show, where every other Monday night, the two of us join uh, up with the public, the community, and bring on a special guest. We like to talk shop. We like to talk about our likes, our dislikes, and we like to find out what you like and dislike and turn it into a huge roundtable discussion as opposed to just a simple interview show. This is about art, music, and everybody's thoughts, arguments, debate topics, and, uh, and geek out topics. So welcome to the show, uh, those of you that are new and those of you that are veterans. Uh, special sh- special shout out to our um, sponsor of sorts and, uh, and supporter uh, and technical support, Indie Advent. Uh, follow the links in the chat. And check out Indie Advent and Utopia District, along with Tiger Blood Tapes. Thank you so much, Indy, for all your help. And uh, be sure to familiarize yourself with the commands. You can follow. You can Skelly. You can Shiro. Let's get that Shiro out. You can um, check out our Spotify playlists. Jump in our Discord server. You can donate if the spirit moves you. And then there is another one that I'm not remembering at the moment. So, exclamation points. Are your friends? Uh, check those out, and any emojis you use show up on the screen. So blow up those emojis. Um, keep it kind, please. No punching down. Punching up is in fact encouraged, but we don't do any sort of racism, sexism, homophobia, or transphobia on hot takes. So keep it clean. I don't even think I have to tell you guys that. And have fun. We're gonna get to know our good buddy device operator tonight. If you're not familiar. Device Operator makes all kinds of music. Very multi-talented individual with releases on Pacific, a recent release on Pacific Plaza. One, I believe it's Kiwi Pop. Uh, Banging, bouncing, future funk record that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, So we're very excited to have another member of the Pacific Plaza family join us tonight. And we hope that you will blow up the questions. Uh, We'll be uh, saving all questions for the top of the hour, of course. But we're going to start tonight's session off with uh, some recommendations, courtesy of Skeleton Lipstick. All right. How are we doing today, guys? We're doing well? Phenomenal. All right. Um, so recommendations today. I think I'm going to start with... Let's see. What do I want to start with? I'm going to start with an album on No Problema Tapes by, um, by uh, Gore. I think it's called Victim Mentality, maybe, or Victim... It's um, it's it's a Barber Beats style album, but oh, do you hear me? I hear you just fine. All right, good, good, good. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. I froze right there. Uh, called Victim, and I think it's called Victim or Victim Mentality. It's in the kanji, so I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but it's got the um, it's by Gore. It's the well, Lux linked it. Shout out Lux. Oh wow, that was fast. It was, I think it's number number like thirteen in their Barber Beats series. Um. I really enjoyed this album because there's a lot of dynamics going on in it. I think that sometimes people have the complaint that Barbara Beats is pretty simple, but I found this album to be quite dramatic, actually. Um, there's a lot of. Did you say tension. dramatic or traumatic? You know, you would think traumatic from the name of the title, but actually dramatic. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I, Sorry to interrupt. No, I, I found it to be a very interesting experience. Um, there's just like a, a, a lurking uh, sense of menace throughout the entire album that I can't quite put my finger on, but really amuses me uh, and kind of brings me into an interesting little uh, world where I'm in some sort of oh, some sort of strange waiting room or or some you know that's completely empty 
and I, it gives me that sort of sense of emptiness inside, but also uh, a sort of like tension about, well, what's going to replace this emptiness at some point? And the, the songs actually flow together quite interestingly. There's a lot of really cool, as I mentioned, dynamics that, that are going on it, where the songs don't just remain the same throughout the entire song, but change up. And um, I highly recommend it, if you, particularly if you're someone who has kind of dismissed a lot of the Barber Beat stuff. You know what I mean? Guess I better check so, it out. Yeah, if you dismissed it in the past, and you're like, maybe you've gone away from like, you didn't want to, you haven't listened to anything in that world for a while. I'd say go back and check this one out. It might change your mind a little bit. Uh, okay. Uh, second recommendation I want to do is for an album on uh, on Villain. And let me Oh, see. Villain's hard as fuck. So this is a real, this is a, an album, what's it called here? We are, because it's, it's actually, it's like written in like Arabic. It's called, um, uh, it's, uh, it's called, uh, uh, Erased from History by Fear of Changing. And, wow. and yeah, Erased by Fear of Changing. So it's, this album was really just a real cool, pleasant surprise. I had gotten some like for, forest swords vibes from it. And, mm. um, it's an interesting break beats on it, but this is now speaking of dramatic. This is another album that's kind of dramatic, but in a different way. But I would consider that the last album I talked about dramatic in a way of like it's almost claustrophobic. This is dramatic Damn. in a way that feels very vast. You know what I mean? Like a like a like a like a desert. You know what I mean? And um, I think uh, I know I which mean, album you're talking about. What's that? I th isn't there like a Porter like a Porter Robinson flip on there? There's a Porter Robinson maybe. I, mean, I yeah, think so. If it's the one it's that I think you're talking about, I like. Are there like some like ten minute songs on there and shit? Um, no, actually, no, 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 no. The, no, okay, the songs on this album are actually one. pretty, pretty short. Um, I don't didn't I didn't hear anything. I'm like, I'm interested to hear this Peter Robinson put this out though because I don't think that that's not on here. I'll I'll send um, that to you later. You know, the songs on this that's actually the songs on this are actually pretty brief, which is ironic because the album feels so vast. Um, but yeah, you know, you can just really like you. It's just like you know, you feel like uh, you know, like like a like a like it's like listening to the album is like opening up a, some sort of lost tome, like a book of dead names of some sorts. You know what I mean? And um, you know, this idea of um, you know, uh, you know, ancient knowledge or ancient worlds that are just covered in sand, you know, beneath our feet. You know what I mean? That are just sort of always uh, haunting us without us realizing it. You know what I mean? It's just like these, you know, an, an ancient empire unsettling, of, of lost, like ancient empire of lost knowledge. That's that it, just because it's not around anymore doesn't mean it no longer exists. It's there as a ghost, and so I really like that album a lot. Uh, so that was, um, it, it's got a green cover with like a dude with some like with a very handsome looking hairdo and, and nice goatee. So that's the album. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. He's kind of like a Bedouin type of attire. Yes, yes, Wait, I think so. I, I mean, it's just his face in it, but uh, I think I know which one you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it, it so, looks yeah. very like intriguing. It's cool. I, I definitely recommend that album. It's uh, "Erased from History" by Fear of Change Awakening on Dylan, and that's a really cool album. Uh, so definitely check that one out. And then the last one I want to go back to is uh, one of my. Let me go back to this album by one of my favorite artists uh, around these days. Um, uh, it's a uh, Soulcraft, and uh, who's one of my favorite artists, honestly. You know. And uh, I'm going to go recommend his album, uh, Normal People. And um, this uh, is a really, really cool album. Feels very personal to me. Feels um, very, you know, I would say, you know, the first album I'm recommending feels like very, like, kind of alone in, in a claustrophobic space. The other one feels very uh, alone in a very vast space. And this feels very alone in a very personal space. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, I really, I'm going to recommend uh, Normal People by Soulcraft. 
Um, I'm a big fan of Soulcraft. Oh, do, do you hear me? Yes, Hello? yes. And oh, Lux already sure. linked to the album. Like, I, Shout I out, Lux. Sure. My, my internet's a little bit weird these days. So, um, a little bit weird today. So, uh, but uh, Soulcraft is, is probably one of my favorite artists in the scene. Um, I think they're wow. relatively underrated, and I think they do brilliant work. And a lot of it, and it's it's they're just phenomenal at constructing these songs. And I'm never exactly sure which ones are are completely samples and which ones are you know original work. But yeah, that, that's that, that's a great thing. You know what I mean? Just you know, absolutely. absolutely. Love, love that. Uh, love, love this artist a lot. Um, love all their work. Um, but I've been listening a lot lately to Normal People, which is a great album that feels very personal, feels quite lonely, and in a, in a very emotional uh, sense of the uh, of the of the idea. And um, I'm oh, I didn't recommend songs from all these albums. Well, uh, I'll recommend one from this though, which is one of my favorite songs. is a song called You Can't on uh, Normal People by Soulcraft. Like I find that song to be extremely powerful. Um, Damn. So yeah, definitely check out Normal People by Soulcraft and definitely check out the song You Can't on that album. Uh, just check out everything by Alice and check out everything by Soulcraft. I think they're phenomenal. I hope they get wind of this. That's that's high praise. I need mm -hmm. to listen to more of their work. And honestly, I hope you write reviews, buddy, because damn, you've got a great way oh. of describing things. Uh, and, and I just got to say, as an aside, I love how a lot of the music that you and I enjoy is mm -hmm. based on just straight up bad vibes. <laughs> like I like happy music, but man, all that sad and lonely shit, give me that shit. That's the content I, mean, I, I crave. Do, but I, feel, I feel like, yeah, okay, that's true. That what is it? I don't know why. I just, I don't I know. know. It's I mean, moving. I feel, like I, I feel like I pick a lot of bounce. I feel like I usually try to pick like a bouncy future funk album too. True. Yeah, you're right. But but today, I mean, we got that. We got that. Today, sad today shit. is definitely is definitely all like it's definitely all uh all, all like unsettling. I would, all, all, I would say all menacing vibes. All dread. Menacing. Lots of dread. You. Dread. <laughs> doom speaking of well not really but like my hot take today we guys we got to talk about live events and we got to talk about keeping your your live event moving smoothly i've never thrown a show it looks terrifying so you know far be it for me to, to to throw stones right but as a participant in many live shows i just gotta say as a as performers we gotta do our part to help our other performers get things set up smoothly and 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 efficiently and quickly. Hang on, I think my I think I'm turned up too high. It's it's there's no such thing as a as a perfect show, right? But I as of late, it's just too many times I've seen people get their set cut in half or their their set just not get played at all or or just like people get behind. Again, I'm not trying to to be overly pessimistic but what i want to focus on is if you're not perf or if you're a performer right and you are not using cdjs right you're not just jumping on and and, and mixing right into somebody <clears throat> you got to show up you got to be on time you got to do your sound check you got to stage your shit and you got to set up and tear down fast like, if you can. I mean, there's always going to be like, oh, no, why am I not sending any signal, right? Unless you're, like, a genius or your sound guy is a magician. But, like, you got to talk to the guy before you. You got to and, – and maybe – I don't know if you do this or not, man, but I like to talk to the person who's going before me, talk to the person who's going yeah, after me, and just be like, how can we make this changeover fast as fuck, all right? So that we are not the person that's bumping everybody back. Uh, and, and and resulting in the headliners performing like hours late or or some poor 
person who has to be the closing DJ like never get to play their set or or have their set cut in half. Anyways, I'll say it one more time and I'll never say it again. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying that we as performers need to be better. We need to have our shit set up and ready to go. We need to show up. We need to do our sound checks. We need to set up and tear down fast. I mean, it's just the right thing to do. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I think you said it all right there. I don't really have much to add aside from, yeah. You know, I didn't think you would disagree. Obviously, if you are all performing on CDJs, even better, but not all of us do that some people have setups that are a little more intricate some people play live instruments you know but shout out uh, shout out the people that are um that are keeping things seamless and and just making the show the sh the people that are running the show just making things easy for them let's 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 have some a little more of that energy for sure um, yeah anyway <laughs> chat's going off um i obviously want to know what uh, device has to say about this because he's played a lot of live shows um, so we're not going to waste, we're not going to, we're not going to delay any longer. We're going to bring on device operator who is a longtime friend of ours, member of the coast to coast collective, uh, Pacific Plaza release. I want to say multiple release, multi-time release artist and performer, uh, believe based out of, uh, the Louisiana area. So would everybody give a warm welcome to device operator? Let's take that screensaver down. You're live, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Uh, so, yes, I like that hot take. Definitely have a lot of thoughts about sound check and the importance of sound check. You know, I will say at these, uh, at something like the tape swap, it went super smoothly. You know, I just went in, at least for me, I just went in there, plugged up the USB and like, yep. It's USB. It works. Yeah. Right time. But at you know at a, at these local shows, a lot of them are are more showcase style, and you know there's a lot to love about that. But uh, you know it does end up where you'll have like 10 to 15 DJs on a lineup, like going from like eight until like three or four in the morning, and doing a sound check with that many people is just crazy, especially when like you know half or more of them don't show up until True. way later and uh yeah so definitely uh very important to sound check i always try to get there early i've run into some insane problems uh during those like i don't know i've been to venues where like we all showed up sound wasn't working we were messing with their mixer we basically asked the venue owner like hey how does this work and he's yep. like well, I don't know. I had my friend set it up a few weeks ago. He's not here anymore. So hope y'all figure it out. <laughs> God damn. And, and like, I guess there's a little grace to be given to people that are like driving or flying from far distances. Sometimes those people can't make it. Sometimes a line check is all that they need, but still like anything could go wrong. Right. Absolutely. I, I've seen tons of crazy stuff go wrong. Well, I'm glad you agree. And honestly, I don't even, I guess that's not even really a hot take. It's just an encouragement yeah, to, to the said. artists in the scene. It needed to be said. I don't claim to be a paragon of performing, performing virtuoso, but like just 
you know, we got to be better. We got to share the space, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to uh, go through a, a little bit of biographical first half of the show. Um, Skelly, won't you take it away, please? I shall. Okay. So first thing, um, I want to say that I'm definitely a big fan of the music. I've, met, I've, I've mentioned your music before on the show, uh, the show in the past, actually. And what I found interesting about it was like, you have very interesting rhythms, you know what I mean? That like, really kind of switch up the sort of future funk dance sort of vibe. Um, and I just kind of want to go back a little bit, though. I want to get to your, 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 your process for how you make this music. But first, I guess let's just go back to when did you get started making music? So it was a long road as, as it is probably for most people. I, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if you go far enough back on my SoundCloud, you'll find like terrible uh, dubstep mashups from like years before I ever started seriously making music. Like I would try to open the DAW and be like, what the hell is going on here? I don't understand any of this. What made you want to, what made you want to get the DAW in the first place? Well, I'm not sure, honestly. I um, I don't you know. You don't remember what, what made you want to make music? Well, I've always been like interested in music, but I don't know what it was that like clicked. I know what got me into electronic music. I remember there was this this guy lived in my neighborhood as a kid, probably late 2000s. Okay. Um, and before that, I just listened to like whatever my parents listened to, which is not electronic, um, yeah. just like pop radio and things of that nature. But I think one day this guy like pulled up youtube on the computer and was like hey you you gotta check this out man like and it, it was like, i can't remember what it was but it was some dubstep video and who was this like, guy hmm was this like a friend of yours or like a neighbor or? yeah like a childhood somebody's a oh, badass okay all right yeah and he basically showed me some dubstep youtube video i was desperately trying to remember what it was before the show but there's no <laughs> way i can find like 2009 dubstep on YouTube. Uh, so that was your first introduction to electronic music was was dubstep. That's a pretty intense first uh, introduction. Yeah, it was definitely like, oh my god, this like, is like nothing like this ever. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? You'd be like, I didn't know sounds like this existed. No, 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 definitely not. No, but I was totally like enamored with it, and uh, you know, I guess when I I had like taken piano lessons and stuff as a kid, but never really got too deep into it. So I always had the kind of like idea that making music was cool and would be cool. Um, but I guess just once you hear like electronic music, it kind of makes it a little bit more accessible. Um, mm. You're like, oh, I don't necessarily need to play an instrument. I can yeah. I can kind of do it on my computer. Um, so ever since then I had tried, but I never really actually got deep into making it until I uh, found Vaporwave, which came, you know, quite a few years after discovering like dubstep and adjacent kinds of music so did you ever produce any dubstep music or was it just mashups or what, what did you do no i never produced any dubstep music um honestly that i i have tried in recent years and i kind of infused that uh just like hard moments of hard bass and like the kind yeah. of syncopation you'd find in a dubstep song into like future funk and things of that nature but interesting i think it seems really hard to produce Stuff. It is a little. Well, you have a you have an expert LFO tool. I mean, yeah. You, do you have the yeah, you, yeah. you have expert LFO to LFO tool? Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. you gotta like mess around with that a lot. Like a yeah, that's that and like resampling LFO bases. LFO is fire. Right. 
but it's tricky. I always thought that people would always be like, well, people, people used to, you know, they'll say like, oh, dubstep, this is so simple. It's like, okay, well, you, you make it. You, 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 you do it then. And then like, no, I can't. Yeah. It's, no it's like a contest of who can make the craziest kick sounds. Yeah. And especially those bass sounds. I mean, there's a, there, I mean, there are like, you know, standardized bass sounds that become popular throughout the genre and kind of evolve a bit over the years, but it's complicated. I mean, to make something unique. And, and there's a lot of people. I don't know if have, have either of you ever heard of Savant. No, no, but I will look them up. That, He's like a Swedish uh, dubstep artist, and I, I've been in, really into him for a long time. And right. it's just crazy stuff. Like, like kind of, it was, I mean, it was in the bro step era, so it was of that vein. But it was like on another level. Like, So are you still a dubstep fan? I would say I would say so. Not as much as as back then. Once I found internet music, I kind of got like sucked into that sphere way more. But uh, I Why, still enjoy it. How did you first discover it then? Uh, internet music. Yeah. So, I guess like after a few years of listening to you know EDM, basically, I would I would just stumble upon internet music before I even really realized what it was. I was kind of thinking back about who were the first people I really ran into. And I remember listening to people like Graham Cartna. And, Graham uh, Cartna. That's yeah. an interesting one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa let's stop for a second. That, you were the first person I've ever talked to who, like, Graham Cartna was one of their first introductions into internet music. That's kind of a really cool one to be your first introduction because Graham Cartna is very unique. You know what I mean? And like yeah. adds like almost like pop song structure a little bit too. Kind of like harkens back to like, um, gosh, uh, some like the earlier like 2010 artists that were like a little bit weirder and like kind of had this like sort of like wavy like off tune sort of like synths mm -hmm. that would sort of like go in and out of their tuning and stuff. And Graham Card is pretty. I'm a big fan of Graham. Yeah, Carter. that wonky kind of like warbly shit. He's very warbly. That like came very, came into vogue at that time. He's very eccentric. Uh, he's too. Like I've seen him on like Christ. Dreams back in the day, and he's like an eccentric yeah. guy. Really? Okay. That's an yeah, interesting. He's, a, he's an interesting person, and that's a very like interesting battle. That's definitely like when you. So when you like, that's a weird one to get into right away. That's pretty cool. I don't cool. even know how. You're like, I, I, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know how I found this stuff. Uh, I I know Phil Jerus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I love Phil Jerus. Fuck yeah, Phil yeah. Jerus. That's some early 20 cents shit. Hell that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He was oh, on like that's, a Juicy that's, Tunes you comp. From, well, you went from like dubstep to like, to, like most people that we talk to is like, it's like George Clanton is their introduction. And that makes sense too, because George Clanton's, you know, the accessible quasi popular artist to like sort of be a good gateway into other stuff. But like a Graham Yeah, Cardinal, it's so always like Frank Jeffsy, Macintosh Plus, George Clanton. Right away. That's pretty crazy. Well, <laughs> I think, you know, to a degree, it was like, algorithmic randomness leading me to these to these people it's um, definitely algorithm randomness yeah for sure and but you like, decided to keep before. listening though don't sell yourself yeah. short yeah i um you know at the time that i was listening to them uh i didn't even know that vaporwave existed uh that was probably like you know 2014 2015 i i had no clue at that point um and then later I came to realize, like, oh, man, I was listening to some of this stuff, like, almost by accident before I oh, even really got deep yeah. into it. Um, I think my first introduction into actual Vaporwave 
was probably like the more ambient side of stuff, like 2814 Telepath. Of course. Um, the Dream Catalog greats. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was definitely where I started being like really deep into it. Started like scouring the labels and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came across, I really liked um, like trademarks and copyrights. Uh, I love Sonic. trademarks and copyrights. Hell yeah. That's great. I love them. Great like, late night lo fi. Sure. Zadig the Jazz was another one that I really, I really yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, that's a deep cut. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I started finding that stuff, and that's when I started really getting into it and trying to, like, actually make some my, myself. You know what's very interesting is, like, you're maybe, like, one of the first future funk-ish art. That, that explains why your future funk kind of sounds so, so slightly different than some of the other stuff. Um... Because, you know, most people I talk to who get who become producers for future funk, usually their way into this is um, a love of, like, French house music or Daft Punk. Yeah, Daft Punk. Did, did you, were you into that? Yes. Yeah, so when I, I said dubstep, you know, because that is, like, dubstep specifically is how I got into it. But I was listening to all kinds of just popular electronic music at that point. Uh, like super early, and Justice was definitely one of the. Uh, oh yeah, Justice. Oh yeah. I, I feel like Justice launched like a thousand music producer careers. Yeah, I wanted to produce music after I listened to Justice. I actually have a funny Justice story where, uh, so one of the first like electronic uh, concerts I went to is actually a festival called Voodoo Fest in New Orleans in 2012, and that was a crazy lineup. Justice played there. Wow. Uh, Skrillex played there. Whoa. Um, also, Mode Step and some other people from that era. Um, and I actually met Justice at that. Oh, oh shit. Whoa, holy shit. What were they Were like? they cool? They were cool. They were, well, you know, they were cool because they made cool music. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. I think I, I, I talked to them, but like at a signing very briefly and like got a picture taken with them. That's awesome. What had happened was we were at like the merch booth for Voodoo Fest and someone was like, Thanks, Rose. I don't know who it was. Someone in their label or something was walking around just like asking random people. They had seen I had bought a Justice record and they're like, hey, would you like to come get that signed? And I was like, uh, yeah. Hell yeah. So, was it Cross or was it the other one? I think it was Audio Video Disc Guy at that time. Wow. What was the live show like for them? I, I don't know. I just want to ask. But was it good? Were they good? They were. They were amazing. I would. I would pay. You know, obscene amounts of money to see them again. But uh, I've they, seen footage, they, and it looks like they put on a goddamn ridiculous yeah, I've show. Never seen, I've never been to it. You never seen show. footage? Yeah, well, I have never that. been, but no. I mean, I, I've seen some footage, footage go brazy. I'd love to be there for it. So yeah, that was one of their. I mean, not. I would say it, it's more intimate then than it was with the footage I've seen of their modern shows. Their modern shows are kind of this huge production uh, with like moving animatronics and lights and stuff wow. whereas the one i saw they had the kind of classic setup with the yeah. they have the fake speaker cabinets that like yeah, light yeah. up you know and like the yeah, big cross in the middle and they were sick that was that was super awesome yeah that's not hard to see them yeah, badass for sure it's like kind of like they're in like the progressive rock era these days yes so what were you into before electronic music? Like, what's the high school playlist? Parents' music, things like that. Yeah, the I I, I liked a lot of you know uh, kind of the softer pop music like um, 
Uh, I listen to stuff like Shania Twain and uh, <laughs> The Police. Yeah, yeah. Like stuff that. One does that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like pretty much everything, but I definitely basically had no idea of electronic music even really existed before I got into it. All right. So then let's, proper. So let's get back to you're into the internet music now. Um, what makes you decide to start making your own music? So I guess um, I kind of always wanted to make music to a degree, but never really found any success when I attempted and never really tried to grind it out. But I guess Vaporwave, you know, it, it kind of feels, you know, a lot more open than other genres. You see all kinds of people that are like small time people making music of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's, you know, it was kind of centered around sampling. You don't really have to have that much technical knowledge to get into it. So I guess the barrier to entry was really low, and I found myself like finally being able to make things that I thought sounded at least somewhat good. So yeah. that's that's probably what finally like set the hook to be able to do it. So why future funk, or why like sort of dancier music? So it's kind of weird because I, I I got into future funk kind of late. Like the the first vaporwave I was in, and the first vaporwave I was making was very slow. Yeah. The first uh, album I released back in like 2019, that was actually a Slush Wave album. And, wow. Uh, yeah. I don't, think I, I don't think I listened to that. Was it as Device Operator or was it a different project? It was. It was. Uh, and, you know, that was just stuff I was releasing on my own band, not a label. And uh, I'd got, at that time, you know, just the tides i guess i had gotten much more into the ambient side of things and then you know after a few years of getting really hard in the vape wave i guess i finally decided to check out future funk and you know having that kind of edm background i was like wow this is right up my alley i should have the kids found love it sooner. yeah so i kind of I fell into that late i definitely uh should have been checking it out earlier So wait, what was the first Future Funk album you, you really liked? Uh, the first Future Funk album I really liked? Yeah. I'm not, I'd probably say I I probably got into it through like Desired and Macross and like the big oh, names nice. and then started to get into like me. I liked M- Mir No Tilde and uh, like Eve.exi. Finally and met Mare last weekend. Super cool. Very friendly guy. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. Wait, That's like awesome. really friendly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Really skilled producer, too. Very clean-sounding producer. I mean, you can tell that that guy is, like, studying this. Yeah, no, it's It's awesome stuff. I've been on uh, their Patreon for a while. They release, like, uh, you know, project files and stems and stuff you can look at. It's really cool. Oh, it's so professional. Well, did you go on, like, artsy music or any of the YouTube channels that had, like, future funk? Damn, that's a throwback. I had come around. That stuff was pretty much dead. So that's why that's you know, now that's the thing I was asking about. That's interesting to ask, to talk to some of the you know the you know, some of the future funk artists that are like from the late 2010s and to see you know because that's how a lot of people got into future funk and a lot of people got into producing it was because of those YouTube channels and their influence at the time. You know what I mean? So it's interesting to talk to people who make music that are like oh yeah actually it, you know that that are not being influenced by that any longer but you're onto like another era of people and how they get get into this because. Then it was like the stuff that launched most future funk producers was seeing those YouTube channels. It's interesting to see that that is, that is kind of 
it's not a thing anymore now, huh? Interesting. Yeah, I, I wish I was around during that time because, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, Future Funk these days can uh, feel like a dead mall sometimes if you look back and like the heights of, uh, you know, the, the heights of something like artsy music and seeing like these labels, like Future Funk collectives or labels that used to be like really big and, yeah. you know, maybe have slowed down their releases in this era interesting and but that's but i think what's interesting about your music is that it does sound different and i think that that's probably why it sounds different is because you're not coming from the same exact influence as some of the uh, uh, as like almost almost all the other artists have come from you know what i mean like i actually don't you're one of the you know one of the few artists that i, I talk to that produces future funk that is actually coming from a place that's slightly that's completely different than where you would assume almost every other future punk artist has come from before you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I mean, you guys started making this sort of music in 2019. Is that right? Yeah, I started making uh, Vaporwave in about 2019, mm -hmm. um, and it was you much slower then. I probably didn't get into future funk specifically until you know a couple of years later, at least a year later. Wow, that's interesting. So you started making like, like 2020. So you really, you know, you're in a unique position because you're coming from in producing this music from a completely different viewpoint than the artists prior to you. And and that really means that there's probably a lot of other artists like you that are coming from a different, completely different viewpoint when they approach the production of Future Funk. You know what I mean? And I think that's what gives your sound a little bit of a different edge to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was definitely, you know, part of that is because like I did start off in Vaporwave. I kind of like the slower, slower, groovier stuff. Like the kind of future funk I had heard before getting into it properly was stuff like X Waves, you yeah, know, where it's kind of a, a mismatch, mit, a mat, uh, like a combination of vaporwave and future funk. Yeah, yeah like, like kind of like example. a slower, groovier vapor funk vibe. Like a key yeah, collection sound. Yeah, X Waves is a good example of that. Yeah. Love that vibe. So that's yeah, interesting. Definitely. And so, then I kind of just turned up the speed, I guess, on each try. <laughs> I'm trying to turn down the speed again soon, though. But <laughs> so it's interesting. So what was your process like when it comes to producing this music then? How do you start it? Because it, the thing about the music is it does it's kind of all over the place. It's rather unpredictable, you know what I mean? But still like has a great groove to it. So it's interesting. I'm wondering what, what, is, your pro, what is your process like? Yeah, so I, you know, as since I don't really have, I mean, I have some music theory, like I've taken courses on it, uh, but it was never like a main course of study, really. Uh, so I don't have much music theory background. So when I was first getting into making it, and even now, yeah, I basically start off almost every time just trying to pull catchy bits out of samples. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually where I start, honestly, like finding the good pieces, kind of categorizing them, and then I'll just throw stuff at them, try to make grooves out of these tiny pieces of samples, um, see what works, see what doesn't, basically just cut until, it's it's honestly kind of like a happy chaos process. Chaos. Good way really describing the music. Yeah. A happy little accident. Happy chaos. Yeah, honestly, that's why, uh, you know, I find a, the songs I make typically don't really have a kind of traditional structure. I've no, definitely yeah. tried to, uh, I was going to say rectify, but no, it's not something that necessarily needs to be rectified, but uh, 
kind of, you know, adapt to that in a way, especially when starting to DJ and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I need to make some edits of these so it'll actually <laughs> work. Yeah, that's very tough, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's but, pretty cool. Like, the song's pretty cool, but then you're like, oh, man, this is tough to mix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a lot of Future Funk's tough to mix. I think that, sure. like, getting into you DJing. Really? You think and, so? Is it, is it because the cuts are too quick? Like, you can't, like, do that long, slow blend, or... Are you are you trying to do like these intricate mashups and you just can't? No, I never. It just some of them like even just trying to do basic blends like they'll have kind of hard cuts or like you know weird uh, bar timings where the the transitions aren't exactly what you would expect or you know they they break off into some like vocal sample radio sample. Uh, for, like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's a really good. The there's there's actually a lot of artists where they'll fuck with the tempo and it's just like you got stop that. <laughs> Got to cut out before that shit. Yeah, I mean, I love all that stuff, but it makes DJing, it's super hard. Is there any particular artist that you're listening to that, like, give you inspiration when you're, before you make your music? Um, I'd say, honestly, one of my biggest inspirations in terms of making music has got to be Diskette Park. Um, Oh, Diskette Park. Damn, is that, is that like, is, is that Lasership Stereo or is that the other Diskette? No, Diskette Park is um, they uh, they do they've had a bunch of albums on like uh, Business Casual and such. Okay, um, I'm thinking of the other. And they actually pretty, they vary themselves quite frequently with their sound styles. Um, Absolutely. But uh, I love Diskette Park. That's that one out. Yeah, they they um, they make a ton of stuff. I mean, they have like the kind of slush wave all the way to mm-hmm. something like maybe the Dream Tone kind of music, but. The kind of music I resonate with them the Dream most. Dreamtown bangers. It, yeah, like they had like an album, like they had that, like that album Vision, which was like the four songs on it, which was like totally just like weird, like ambient stuff. Like, they're they're really interesting artists. I'd say the ones I, I like resonate Zip the most. It's like, are, oh, sorry, what are you saying? Oh, uh, Community and uh, Reading Room. Those reading stand room out is, to me yeah, because they're just like so different. I've never really heard anything like that. That makes a lot. Of, no, community. Community is the album with like the two faces on it, right, facing each other, with like the yes, the color. Uh, that's a great album. I love that. No, Discount Park is is definitely another um another underrated artist. Well, I mean, not that they're, I mean, they're, damn, they're I need to hear like, more of that. I shit. think people should listen to them more often as well. Um, uh, and I think he's a very interesting artist. I I'm a big fan of even their first album, which is like called Zip Drive, which is like some vapor funk stuff. I used to play mm-hmm. a bunch of that stuff at Terminally Chill all the time from that album, off the off from that album. Yeah. No, I'm I'm really really interested in that stuff. It's just like crazy rhythms, chops you wouldn't expect. Like really interesting use of samples, especially in the the community and reading room ones, because they kind of diverge a bit. They're not necessarily like a vapor funk or or you know the slower kind of stuff they make. It's just really out there. Yeah, the, the, they are Isaac. Do you remember like maybe some like early like Dante Marzaietto stuff? Yeah, I think so. So it's kind of like that a little bit. Okay, I would be down. Yeah. Some of the, like, the early is stuff it punchy though? Yeah, it's punchy. It's great. Cool. Shit, I'll have, I'll have to get with awesome. you later and I'm give big, those reps. I, I've been a big fan for a while. That's yeah. cool, man. Say, like, that, really? that makes sense. That makes sense. You definitely fit in like a category similar to Discount Park. Then I, I really like. I'd say like for people who haven't heard it, it's almost it's like almost the rhythms on some of like the one Otrix point never albums where it's like melodies kind of colliding on top of each other Ooh. and like blending together. it's kind of like that but cleaner you it might have just sold me 
there's absolutely no way I haven't like recommended this guy park. Probably even I probably have recommended community on this show at some point. Back to, back maybe a few couple. Thank you, Casper. I'm sure I have. I know I've recommended this guy park before. I've definitely put them on when I used to do the playlist. I definitely used to put them on. If they ever came out, I was always put something on by them. They're awesome. All right, I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy to have an opportunity to shout out to Sky Park. Hell yeah! Well, I hope they find this. So um, that's interesting. So just get park. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so okay, let's get to this to the live performance stuff because it's true. You do a lot of live events. How did you make the transition to that? When did when did that start? I mean, I've seen you advertise that before on like your Instagrams and such. Yeah, honestly, I I, I got into it. I guess just because once I got into Future Funk, I would see all these Future Funk artists doing live shows, and I'm like, damn, that looks super cool, super fun. I would love to make and play music like that, um, but obviously there's not really a scene for that here. Where do you live again? Um, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is uh, uh, like an hour away from New Orleans. Okay, all right. Pacific Plaza says Discat Park is in New Orleans. Oh, shit. Yes. Oh, you knew that. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would love to do a show with them, but I don't know how down they are for that. I think, uh, you know... Maybe one day. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. But yeah, there's there's not a big vaporwave scene here though. So when I started, you know, trying to get into DJ, like buying a deck and trying to learn, um, I was just reaching out to all kinds of random people, trying to get in on whatever kind of you know, it was it was shortly after the pandemic was was kind of um, you know, loosening restrictions. So uh at that time, there were a lot of like groups in their infancy stage trying to build something out of the ruins of pandemic live music uh, scene. And uh, eventually I was put on by this group called uh, Future X Youth. Okay. Um, it was kind of a group that did these super like uh, big lineup kind of showcase type shows at um, a really cool venue, which I'll talk about in a second. But this group, it was, it was, um, it's kind of a mix of hip hop and uh, electronic music, like okay. no vape wave at all. I, wow. um, so that's the kind of scene wow. I started getting I, into. So you kind of you just fit yourself into that scene. Wow. Yeah, and I, I played Future Funk at those kind of events uh, for a while, but I definitely had to start like mixing it up. And uh, did it land? Know, it, it surprisingly it did you know I it kind, kind of, of expected you to say that it did yeah well you know the faster stuff lands I don't think the slower oh, absolutely. stuff absolutely honestly um but like if you're playing like really fast um like like desired top hits type stuff like people are gonna be dancing as if it's like house music because it, it kind of fills that same same area and I definitely had a lot of people, you know, would come up and they'd be like, oh, I've never heard this type of music before. It's so cool. What is it called? Really? Yeah. So people actually, you really were introducing it to these people and they were responding to it. Well, was that fun? Did you like, did you like feel like a sense of like pride being like, oh yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, I know a lot about this stuff. No, it was, it was really fun. Um, it was definitely really fun. Um, but I've branched out. I still play Future Funk uh, at these local shows occasionally, but playing so often, and especially in these like showcase type shows, people really expect to hear like new content all the time. 
Um, so, and honestly, like my, uh, you know, crates of future funk was kind of running dry. I, I played mm -hmm. like, you know, how hundreds you of future funk songs. Whoa. How often do you play? Uh, probably once or twice a month for the past year. Jesus Christ. That's sick. You play once or twice a month? Yeah, these shows happen all the time. It's like huge lineups, three or four different local groups throwing these kind of like generic raves, open format where there's a ton of different genres. Uh, and they happen all the time. Wow, it's, it's, that, that's pretty vibrant. Yeah, it's it's crazy how big the scene grows. One of the, the, la the not label, but one of the venues that actually had a, a big part in this, they're called uh, Yes We Cannibal. And it's a really interesting space. Um, they're kind of music venue slash art gallery slash like anarchist communal collective thing. Like it's just an amazing like sounds cool as fuck. Yeah, the people who run it, they're just you know doing it on their on their free time on their dollar. None of the shows ever cost money or anything. It's all kind of like open to the community, showcasing the art in the community. They do all kinds of shows they record, not just electronic music, but everything. They'll, they have it set up as an art gallery a lot of the time. And, you know, I guess it's people like that, you know, open up a space to, to these kind of up and coming groups that really make stuff like that possible. Dude, I swear, when you find a good venue, a good space, a good community, you got to stick around because there's so yeah. many dog shit venues. For every good venue, there's like three dog shit venues. Yeah, we just actually had a venue die here. Um, unfortunately, I'm sure that happens all the time, but there was a really awesome venue, uh, different venue in this kind of like torn out old building and it just it got bought recently whoever like the people running the venue were renting it uh and whoever owned it decided to sell it to some business who's gonna like tear it, build like an office building or gross. something gross so. yeah, that's a shame uh i mean that's that's really interesting i can't believe how often these events happen i can't believe you're playing twice a month um so you must really enjoy playing live do you, you, you really like enjoy it now yes i i really enjoy it um Sometimes it definitely can be uh, stressful that often. There's a lot of, especially the fact that it's like, I want to find new music every time because it's not a big city. You know, a lot of these these people are regulars to these raves. You know, people oh, go. Oh, so there they are. They're going to be aware of what you're doing. I see. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> if I were to play the same stuff every time, you know, or even like keep a certain amount of rotation, people would probably get bored of that. Uh, Really, you don't have like people that are like there at your set every time, like, oh man, he's about to drop this this absolute clanger. You know, maybe they're maybe they're out there, and I just assumed incorrectly. But <laughs> so, how long are your sets usually? Like an hour? It's extremely varied. Uh, uh, the group I've been doing, I've been performing with most recently uh, and most frequently was called Frequency. And they were real, they were real like set on, people are gonna have an hour long set, we're gonna, you know, let them have enough time to really establish themselves during a set, really kind of okay. build up a vibe during their set. Um, 
but a lot of the events like i played a, i played an event recently where the set was 15 minutes long and there were like <laughs> 10 other djs at, at the event so wow. it's it's extremely varied like, like i said a lot of them are like showcase type events where there's tons of people yes, yeah. playing um and sets are really short so, and that's an interesting yeah. challenge too to like try to you know make a statement in such a short period of time no, it really is. You're right. That's that's actually that's like one of the most challenging things ever is when you have like such a small amount of time to get across what you're what you're all about. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a fun challenge though to to both ways. I mean, because yeah. in the the 15 minute sets, you can try out like really fast mixing you might not do normally. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's it's interesting though. It's definitely super varied, um, and like I'll try to tailor it too because like so. It, like some of the events, like it's majority of you may be playing with like a quarter of DJs and the rest are like local hip hop artists. So the music. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Louisiana and Baton Rouge in general has a really large uh, like hip hop scene. So a lot of these events um, are centered around that. And it's really cool. I love hip hop music. So. Yeah. What wow. is your, that's, what that's is cute. like a style of music that you would really like to mix live that you've just not had a chance to do. Vaporwave. <laughs> you've never done a classic vapor <laughs> set once? I mean, like, classic. I'm talking, like, slower. Like I'm, That's what I've I mean. Not once? No. I mean, maybe I mean, I've only done it close. once, but, you know. No. I would love to do that, but I don't... Somebody wants to hear it. I don't know if anybody here wants to hear it. But... <laughs> there's got to be some, there's somebody there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I do love it when, when you find somebody that's like, do whatever you want. And you're like, yeah. are you sure? <laughs> I'm going to make you regret yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the closest I've come probably is like at, you know, it's something like the Tape Swap or Club Ginky. I'll, I'll play my own music mostly. And that's slower at some points. Um, so that's the closest I've probably gotten to that, but... Sometimes Damn. if I have like an opening slot, I'll like throw yeah. in some like I've done some like I'll throw in like some A Hero or Simple Syrup at the beginning. Hell like, yeah! Oh yeah! Shout yeah. out opening and closing yeah. slots where you get to yeah. experiment. Yeah. Sometimes not it'll... being the headliner can be a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. The. <laughs> So your your albums is this is this like a fruit theme that's happening with all the albums now? I think uh, the fruit theme was not intentional. I think I just started. Really? I thought like, we're gonna get like an album for every fruit because we had like kiwi one now, and I'm gonna run out of fruits. They're all JD Sinuti did that. Hmm. This artist on Business Casual, JD Sinuti. It's DJ iTunes backwards. He kind of did oh. something like that. No, I don't. I, don't, I think. Uh, it's just... Yeah, it's not intentional. I would love to do all fruits. It, it makes for like a cute theme, uh, but. <laughs> I'll probably be uh, moving on from that, honestly. <laughs> That's fine. It was like, you know, the, the well, the albums fit, fit nicely together thematically, you know? So, well, okay. So what are you going to do? What, what's what's next for you, music production-wise? So uh, I would love to start uh, dropping stuff from the vault, which what's has a vault? huge everything. It's so bad. It's <laughs> Dubstep mashups. Let's do it. I would, yeah. 
I'm just like chronically bad about like actually releasing music. I've got so many. I've got like a couple new age albums, a couple like classic vaporwave albums, some future funk, like full albums that I've just had like sitting that are sitting for a variety of reasons. Either there's stuff I need to finish about them, or like I was in talks with a label and it it fell through, and then you know just random stuff like that. But also I'm just chronically bad about like deciding like. This needs to end. This is the point where it's done, you know. That is a common theme of uh, a, a problem that I think we, we that like every producer sort of understands is when is it done? So actually, I guess that's my question to you next is how do you know when a song's done? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be the worst person to ask, but I mean, I don't know. It usually comes from a point of like, well, this this has to be done, or this else it's going to gonna sit collecting dust. Thank you for asking forever. that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there comes a point where I'm like, you know, I'll be like, oh damn, this has been sitting for way too long. I need to to wrap this up, whatever whatever that entails. I'll just kind of try to set like a self-imposed deadline for something. Be like, this needs to happen. I need to go through it. Identify, like what really needs to change, what maybe I'm focusing too much on, and, you know, kind of just take it one project at a time, or else I'll just tweak it forever. So how long does it usually take for you to make a song? I'll probably make the core of a song in, like, a couple of days, maybe a yeah, couple yeah. of weeks if it's for a... Um, uh, like a more complex song or a, like some kind of idea I haven't tried before, um, but I'll, I'm I'm bad about like tweaking them for months or even like yeah, Kiwi Pop. I've been making part, that for right? over a year. Wow. Yeah. I feel you. It's it's never the point problem of like actually like making the core of the song is that once you've done the core song, particularly if you like the song, then it's like you can never stop tweaking it. Particularly if you really like the song you wrote. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, I, can, yeah. I gotta make it as good as possible because I actually like this. So let me really keep. There's more I can always do. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it too is like, I mean, I've gained some technical knowledge throughout just being exposed to it and like working with other people. But I really don't have a lot of like technical knowledge about music or mixing and mastering. And I'll just listen to a song I made and I'll be like, oh, the core of this sounds good, but the mixing like could be so much better. Or something like that, oh, and I'll just try to be forever. Well, that's for the mastering. That's where they well, come yeah, in. Let and me ask you this: like, when you, I'm sorry, when you when you listen to like a song, whether it be yours or somebody else's, do you tend to prefer like the core hook, or do you usually like favor the part 75% of the way through when everything's kind of swelling and everything's coming together to a crescendo? What do you like better? I mean. Definitely the kind of, you know, when you're listening, you're not going to be focused on the the little nitty details of it. It ultimately comes down to like either this is catchy or not, mm -hmm. like the core idea. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely okay. easier to get caught up in that stuff. What about you, Skelly? Do you, like, what? if you had to pick a favorite part of a song, whether yours or somebody yeah. else's, would you pick the part where the hook comes in? Or like that that crescendo part, like the when everything kind of swirls towards the end. I like and, the hook. Yeah. 
Me too. I like the hook. Sometimes the stripped Wait, down cool. part where you just get the hook is the coolest part. You know? Yeah, for sure. I agree. Especially um, in, in Vaporwave, I'd say a lot. Of, I mean, some of the you know best Vaporwave is just the hook repeated for like five minutes. Uh, so yeah, that's like exactly what it well is. Well said. Right. How did you get involved in Coast to Coast Collective? Um, so that's a fun. That's probably through. Uh, we are all part of the Chillwave Kittens server. Uh, shout out, Whoa. great guy. Shout out Chillwave um, Kittens. Shout yeah. yeah, I just I made a lot of friends there uh, with like you know luxury noise and and limerence and Shout out luxury Jan noise and, and, and limerence. Shout out limerence FKA, FKA patch notes limerence. Yeah, yeah, love that. Um, I think soft yeah, was just, there at that time. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I just got involved with them and they started uh, doing coast to coast and I was invited to do that and I also really like that you know they kind of a lot of them. You know they'll put a lot into a set like it'll it'll be really high production quality and you know i was kind of interested in doing the same thing like filming sets um you know having interesting lighting interesting b-roll things of that nature and just kind of bringing url shows to like a, a next level um and they were all into that and we just got along really well yeah. oh yeah i participated Shout in the coast coast. compilation as well and just absolutely Guys, we're going to take a quick intermission. Everybody go take a break, get a drink, use the restroom. But we have a very special video, uh, courtesy of Luxury Elite, who, by the way, is the only reason that I'm able to use these headphones tonight. Damn near almost had to call off the episode because I lost my quarter inch to 3.5 at oh, no. uh, Flamingo Fest. So shout out Luxury Elite. But everybody take a quick break. Turn it up while you're out of the room because we've got a very special uh, deep dive into Not Not Fun Records, courtesy of Luxury Elite. Good evening, Hot Takes viewers and listeners. My name is Robo Lux, and I am the spokesperson and PR representative for Luxury Elite. Lux uses me specifically for episodes of Neon Nights, her online radio show, or for other times, like this one, when she's too lazy to hook her microphone up to her laptop. After being asked by young Shiro to do a video for Hot Takes, Lux knew she had to do something special. Would it be favorite songs? Favorite albums? Worst cursed food images in the hot take server? No. She knew she had to go back into the archives for the Vaporwave historians out there. One of the bigger influences for the Vaporwave first waivers and early adopters was a genre called hypnagogic pop, and quite a bit of it was released on a label called Not Not Fun. Not Not Fun was a label created by Amanda and Britt Brown back around 2004, and much of the early output centered around experimental rock, psychedelia, and drone. However, as time passed, releases became more centered around new age, synth pop, hypnagogic pop, and electronic music with disco influences. Their recent releases have really honed in on new age, ambient, and drone. Lux highly recommends you check out Not Not Fun, as well as its house and disco sister label, 100% Silk. Now that Lux has given you that history lesson, she is going to discuss five of her favorite Not Not Fun releases, some of which are also all-time favorites. Here we go. At number 5, it is Urban Gothic by Xander Harris. This album is a love letter to 80s horror soundtracks, with imaginative titles and beautiful synthesized melodies. The song playing in the background is called Slatter in the Mouth. 
This album is highly underrated, and if you're a fan of synthwave, strange horror soundtracks, or dancey dark wave, Lux recommends you check it out. Also great to listen to on Halloween night. Lux's album pick for number 4 is Sweat 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 by Lex Sweat. This album is a sample-based funk album, filled to the brim with chopped and screwed fantasticness, influences of sleazy R&B, with a cherry on top of vocoded vocals. It's an extremely sexy album, and very ahead of its time. This could honestly be considered a vaporwave album to some and would probably be successful in the scene if it was released in present day. Alas, this album, and most of Lux's picks, are around 10 years old or so at this point. The song playing in the background is called Touch Your Body. So Unreal by LA Vampires featuring Matrix Metals is number 3 on the list. Fun story with this one. Back in the early turntable.fm days, Lux did not get hypnagogic pop or early vaporwave at all, and actually really disliked the 80s aesthetic and vibe both seemed to be going for. One particular weekend in the summer of 2011 changed Lux's life, when two albums opened her eyes and helped her see the light. One of them was Midnight Television self-titled release on Bear on the Rug, and the other was So Unreal. It was an absolute game-changer for her. The original Matrix Metals demos of these songs were much faster and dancier, but the crew behind LA Vampires slowed them down and gave them a bit more of a lo-fi flair, and Amanda Brown's vocals, which could admittedly be polarizing, fit like a glove with this particular release. The tracks made you feel like you were in a dream world, and Amanda was the commentator slash tour guide. Some songs were slinky and sexy, some made you feel like you were driving down the Pacific Coast Highway in the end credits of an 80s B-movie. All of them were wonderful. The song playing in the background is a title track, so unreal. Rest in peace, Matrix Metals. At number 2, it's Delta Horizon by Eleventine Eston. It could honestly be tied with the number 1 pick, but Lux is trying to keep it simple. This album was originally produced during the peak of hypnagogic pop, between 2010 and 2012, and could have easily been on Old English Spelling Bee alongside Rangers and Last American Hero era James Ferraro. However, Delta Horizon came out years later in 2014. In Lux's eyes, this album is criminally underrated, perhaps due to its belated release and people not paying as much attention to hypnagogic pop at this point. It's an absolute masterpiece. The vibe of the album is very much a long-lost soundtrack to the Save by the Bell Malibu Sands episodes, very water-fueled and sailboat-inspired. However, Lux's favorite track, which is playing in the background, is called Panulira Cygnus. It's a weirdly sexy, vaporwave parallel groove that makes you want to cuddle up with your boo while watching a beautiful beach sunset. And at number 1, it's Motor City by Sand Circles. This album is a synthesized journey through an industrialized fantasy city, rough yet beautiful, very late 70s and early 80s New York City vibes, before you find your car driving upwards into space. Lux is a huge fan of city-themed albums, and Motor City was a mega inspiration for noir. Lux loved the album so much that she risked overdrafting her checking account to buy the tape upon its initial release. The track playing in the background is called Downtown Hold Up. This album is hypnotic bliss, one that Lux never wants to end, 
If she could, she'd live inside of it forever. Sand Circle's lo-fi grooves had already been something Lux obsessed over, and Motor City surpassed all of her expectations. That was five of Lux's favorite Not Not Fun releases. She'll see what she can do about posting these and three honorable mentions in the Hot Takes Discord server. See you all later, and enjoy the rest of the Hot Takes episode. We're back. Thank you so much, Luxury Elite, for that amazing overview of Not Not Fun Records. Uh, definitely some favorites of mine that I remember from my crate digging in the early 2010s, like LX Sweat and Sand Circles. And if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be into um, you know Matrix Metals and LA Vampires at all. Uh, definitely recommend you check out their sister label, 100% Silk. Uh, my personal favorite artist, Octo Octa, from 100% Silk, is like probably the sole reason I'm into house music at all. Uh, oh, so, wow. so shout out Luxury Elite, uh, shout out Not Not Fun and Octo Octa and 100% Silk and all those cool people. And I, I want to say LA Vampires is part of the reason that that, that label even existed. Um, so we're going to um, go ahead and open Oh, thank you. I can't pronounce your username, but thank you so much for the donation. Appreciate you. Um, we're going to open it up to guest submitted questions. So I think somebody already fired one off earlier. Oh, yes. Syllabus wanted to ask. What stuff that isn't music has the biggest influence on the music that you make? That's a good question. It is a good question. That is a good question. Uh, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, you know, is, is probably what it is for a lot of people that make Vaporwave. Uh, you know, I've always been kind of into aesthetic pictures, specifically like really old pictures, like uh, like magazine scans from a long time ago. Um, old pictures of like places like the city or something but specifically like uh i really like like mid-century modern uh like really old pictures cutouts from magazines of like old concept furniture and stuff like that oh that's bad and uh like those concept cars from the 80s and shit yeah prototypes that never got actually made yeah and i i guess that comes into play a lot uh in Vaporwave, I like that a lot of the albums are kind of very thematic and conceptual. And a lot of times the concept will be just kind of single picture, kind of pulls you in um, and you kind of envision yourself in this kind of old place uh, while listening to the music. And the whole album is kind of really conceptual and thematic. And I would say that is, that's probably what influences me the most. I really, I really like like drawing an album on a concept of kind of imagining you're in some old place. That's cool as fuck, honestly. I think that makes for a really, like, tight concept. Just very immersive, you know? Uh, KJ Valium, what is the worst Louisiana highway? <laughs> um, you know, it's got to be either either highway... Going from like Baton Rouge to Lafayette, just cause like especially the uh, like from the old Baton Rouge Bridge to like Opelousas, there's it's just lined with these like tiny towns that have like you know 200 people in them, and you know their main source of income is just like speeding tickets. Oh shit, Texas is the same type of beat. Yeah, great food on those towns though. You can stop and like in a little meat store and like pick up some like boudin or something like. But yeah, those have got to be the worst. Just Get cause some shrimp po boys. 
Yeah. Yeah, just bumpy, police everywhere. Uh, Sometimes really foggy, too. Like, I remember I was driving, like, February, I think, across uh, that Chafalaya Bridge. It's, like, 27 miles over the, the swamp, and it's just, like, fog the whole time. Yeah, it's it's scary. There there was recently, like, a really terrible crash, I think, on the interstate to New Orleans where it was, like, a morning fog, and there was, like, a 20, 30-car pileup or something just because fog made it completely, like, unable to see anywhere. Scary stuff. What is on your sex playlist? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, what, what is sexy music to you? I guess. Uh, honestly, probably like old eighties funk and soul. Not if bad. I think of like sensual music, pick. Like, that's that's Great what I'm pick. going to. Um, like Freddie Jackson, I uh, really love oh, nice. like that kind of stuff. I have a lot of that oh, yeah. on vinyl. Uh, that's got to be some of the most sensual music out there. I don't think they, nobody does it like that anymore. They don't do it like that anymore, do they? Yeah, no. No, it's just amazing. Like, So we got a great question from King Quartz. How do you feel your sound will evolve in the future? Where do you want to go with it sonically? Yeah, I definitely, um, I'd love to go in a few directions. You know, I'd like to start releasing, uh, you know, keep up with the faster stuff, but start releasing slower music again. Um, I'm, I'm like really, I really love like old, like 80s and 90s new age music. Um, I'd really love to to release stuff like that. And I have some, you know, in the vault as well as stuff I'd love to do in the future. And that also brings it back to like really thematic conceptual albums in the like new age sphere there's a ton of really like con concept heavy albums like i've listened to albums of people very that, true yeah like people making albums that's like entirely composed of noises they think they hear on like a news set opening and it's like yeah. 15 30 second clips and that's the whole album just like yeah sound <laughs> design I, I would love to do stuff like that um but I'd also definitely like to get more into uh, music theory. I've considered maybe getting like a tutor. Oh, really? Uh, I have, yeah, a friend who does that kind of stuff. And I, I've considered hitting them up to try to take lessons because I do feel like I, you know, very often kind of run into like that's the bottleneck. Well, I'll be trying to do something and I just don't quite have the knowledge to get there. I'd really love to. To go in that direction and, and learn more about the actual theory behind everything. Hmm. Interesting. You have a lot of ideas. You have a lot of directions you want to go in. Yeah, I guess I guess mostly just the, um, you know, I'd like to go slower and faster. Uh, <laughs> I like complex, that. Lot lots more to to ring from that stone. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely like. I've. I talk a lot with uh, Liminal Garden. Um, we've been trying to cook up some some new age concepts together, and uh, that label's really cool. I'd love to put something out on that label. Liminal Garden um, is a really cool record label. I love the Be Careful albums that were uh, they released on there as well. Yeah, there there's some really fantastic stuff on there. And I know, um, you know, I actually talked to Cats Corp as well about new age music before, and I, I'd almost put something out on Hereath before, actually, 
But then the the pandemic kind of uh, you know they they went to kind of a hiatus for a while. Um, but I think both of those labels, kind of like Hereath and Liminal Garden, they had kind of at least you know part of the vision for those labels was to at least from how I understand it was to maybe bring back a kind of modern resurgence of new age music specifically and like kind of vapor Hell adjacent. Yeah. But not a lot of people make uh, music like that. So I think the the labels, they, you know, they did end up kind of being mostly Vaporwave just due to the, you know, that was obviously part of the original intention is to make it semi-Vaporwave. But I think there was definitely a new age bent to both of those that maybe it's not been able to be fully fulfilled yet. Sounds like you have a niche to fill. Yeah, there's definitely some people out there. I know... Um, you know, Alpha Chromeo, yeah, he put out uh, a really cool New Age album. Hey, that was one of my picks on the show before, actually, for one of my recs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're very skilled. A Hero put out, uh, I think it was like briefly up, like a limited time only kind of thing. He put out a, a New Age album that I made sure to like snag and download. I love that shit. It's, it's important. Okay, we got a great question from... I'm going to give it a shot. Ophiuchus New. Best shot. What music hardware would you like to have and or use on future projects? Good question. Um, so, honestly, Dream Setup would be, like, just a rack of all those, like, Roland and Korg. Um, like, their rack sense. Like, the XV... 10.8 or JV 10.8 XV 50. Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers, but those rack units, um, really classic sounds using a lot of vaporwave. Um, but honestly, that brings me to a good point that I'm actually like terrible at using hardware, and the vast majority of my music is made like in the box, uh, VSTs. I actually have some synthesizers, but what synthesizers do you have? I have a uh, JV990, which is one of those um, Roland rack units. Yeah. And I have, the name of it is totally escaping me at this one. I might remember it, but I have like a really old, um, it's like this huge thing. I have, a, I have um, the JV, I have the JD990 as well, actually. That's a cute little synthesizer. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Really cheap. You can get those for like really cheap. And that's part of the reason I got it is because yeah. I wanted, uh, I wanted to get into that realm, and it's one of the most uh, accessible ones yeah. there. Bayberry uses one of those too when he makes music. Yeah, I think. Yeah, those are. The, I know the you know Roland makes some really good VSTs for those. Same with Korg. So I, I do end up using those, just not in hardware form. Mm -hmm. um, but well, lots of, I'm gonna I'm gonna use it if I want to. <laughs> yes. I'll do it one day. I have a bunch of, I, that's like how I feel about the sense too. Like, okay, well, I haven't used that one in a while, but one day I'm going to dig into that one. No, yeah, I've tried, I've kind of given up on the, that's not given up forever, but I'm like, no, don't, no need to buy any more. Uh, I mean, it seems like it takes up a lot of space. It's expensive. Eventually you got to move it. It could break. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there's benefits, but there's definitely drawbacks. Especially those rack units, like hyper complicated. Like everything is programmed through like a little screen that's like maybe eight or nine digits long, yeah. and there's like infinite menu diving. Um, so you have to be like a, menu diving. You have to be like a true wizard uh, to do that kind of stuff. 
which I wish. I love I love watching people incorporate that kind of stuff and uh, like watching YouTube videos of people playing like synthesizers in their in their backyard, just like showing off the craziest patches ever. Just like, going nuts. Yeah, but I can't do that stuff. I would love mm -hmm. to do that. <laughs> Great question from Lux. What is an album that you feel deserves more attention? Can be vaporwave or non vaporwave. Um, that's a good answer. I a good question. Honestly, if I wouldn't have talked about Discat Park earlier, that would have been my my answer. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, um, I think some of the ones that I would say I really have been thinking a lot about uh, Neuroport recently. Hmm. Um, I've not heard them. They're yeah. really maybe not old, maybe like 2000, 2015. Um, they released maybe five or six albums. Um, some I mean, of them that's actually pretty substantial. Yeah, some of them got pressed to vinyl yeah. uh, even. And it's just kind of like classic Vaporwave, like really cool uh, sample chopping. Um, and they've kind of disappeared. Like they still have a couple of albums up on their band camp, uh, but most of them have gotten removed. I think I've saved them somewhere. I I sure Shout hope so. Shout out you! I hate that shit. You you've got like some very like interestingly specific like sort of like deep cut taste in a lot of the. Vaporwave I love that. that like, you know, like whether it be Graham Cardna or or um, Neuroport or or Discat Park, like it's very interesting that it's like very specific for you. You can tell, bros, and, a DJ. And that's and I think that's like the best way to do the whole music scene is to like you know just just scroll through stuff find one thing and you know without having to look at too many recommendations from other people and just discover what speaks to you and it kind of takes you on your own path and i think that's contributed to why your music sounds pretty unique you know what i mean because your influences are pretty unique they're not as they're not the most, the most typical influences to tell you the truth yeah i definitely um you know probably around between 2016 and 2018 that's when i first like got into like really band camp diving like going to look back at all these like vaporwave labels and going through combing through past releases and things of that nature and that's um where i really came across a lot of the more weirder stuff that uh you know like i said earlier trademarks and copyrights that's yeah. a that's a big another one yeah. for me that's that's another interesting I'm, one it's, an, it's another interesting one that's to some sex out. playlist yeah, shit you right out there. a lot of things that that are uh yeah would i that are not that you know which are great great but they're not usually the first things that people shout out, which is interesting. So no, I think that's, that's good. That's cool. I think everybody should, should treat it like that. Just go in and pick a few random things. And now that becomes like the most important Vaporwave album to you, even if it's not the most popular artist. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and then, and that contributes to you making like more, that, that if you do that, if you do it that way, you're probably going to end up with some interesting music yourself because you didn't exactly pick the most obvious stuff. I think that's good advice to people in general. Yeah, and it, it's sad that a lot of that stuff has like gotten lost. I definitely really respect anybody who's doing like vaporwave archival work. Like yeah. I know there, I see stuff. I mean, there's tons of people doing that, um, but a lot of stuff just gets removed. Um, it would be extremely hard to find now. I know I've got like a folder somewhere with all the like kind of old stuff in it. I'll have to dig that up. Well, I mean, because, like the three of us are DJs. We have to have files. I've got yeah. files from 2012. Like, mm -hmm. they may not be lossless, but like, I'm sure all of us are, are archivists in a way. Yeah, you're right. Whether right. we're like uh, intending to or true. not. 
Um, we got another good question from Lux, by the way. Wants to know, in your extensive history of live shows in the last year, what was your weirdest live show moment? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, well, <laughs> uh, I immediately think of something, but, uh, you know, I don't want to like say names, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I'll talk about it. Uh, no, cause it's, it's pretty funny. So ba I, I got invited to some show, uh, in new Orleans, um, somebody from out of town, uh, was coming to play. And, uh, you know, they made really good music, so I agreed to it. Uh, I'd never really heard of them before, but I, I checked them out. Um, I don't know how they found me. I guess they were just searching through, like, internet music people feature. Because it wasn't a Vaporwave show. It was just kind of, you know, like, experimental music. And so I went to this show to play without kind of, ex without really knowing what to expect. And it was just odd, not due to the fault of, you know, the people performing necessarily, but like the venue it was hosted at, it was like a puppet show venue. A puppet show? I don't even know how what to is describe that? it. Like, like, I think the venue's whole purpose was to do like puppet shows. That's um, pretty strange. Yeah. But I saw, I saw I've seen a puppet show theater before. I like walked past one time and like went walked past in like Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was like I didn't know that there was a place that this is that that was what you do with these things. So you were playing at a puppet show. Yeah, and well, it wasn't a puppet. Like it was not what we were doing. No one was doing puppet shows there. I don't know if they, you know, if the person from the other state, if they booked this, you know, necessarily knowing that it was like a primarily a puppet show venue. Uh, but I think due to a number of factors, you know, it seemed like the venue owners like hated us. Yeah, puppets. They were so mad. Don't you love those? Where it's like they like let you rent the venue and, and like you sell drinks for them, but then they just treat you like ass the whole time because yeah, we're like yeah, weird was, or whatever. Oh my god! It was it was so odd. I mean, like I remember like going up to buy a drink, and you know it's it's a small venue where like the owners or the the people working the bar, and it was just so weird. Like I would go up to the bar to buy a drink, and they like wouldn't say anything. I would be like trying to make friendly small talk, and they would just have like you know, the angriest look on their face. And I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I did. I don't know. That's some shit that would piss me off, but I wouldn't say anything out of respect for whoever booked me. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm over these. I'm sorry. I'm over these venues, dude. These fuck ass venues that just treat us like we're disposable. Yeah. I mean, there, I've played some amazing venues and some like outright, you know, terrible where it felt like, you know, I'm like, you seem like you hate us. Like, why even? And I, it was before, yeah. not like it was justifiable, but I mean, they were probably, you know, there was low turnout at that event. Um, and, you know, I think they were, you know, kind of trying to wait to see if people would show up to start playing. And so it was off schedule. And, you know, at some point, you know, the, the venue owners were just kind of like, can y'all please start? And, you know, I wasn't the one organizing this event, so I was just sitting there, like, super awkward, like, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? Um, That's when you get, you just have an extra drink and let that shit rip. Yeah. Maybe Ooh, grate some cheese over your audience. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cranky people who spend, considering they spend most of their time around, like, tiny little wooden, like, marionettes, you think they'd be a little bit more uh, playful or jolly. Yeah. 
and also during that show there was a uh, there was an act that was like I don't know not like interpretive dancing but it was like in the nude what and I complete sounds awesome I was like oh my god I did not expect this at all and I had like brought a friend to this show and they were like what the hell man me yeah so I'm just like, oh my god. That's so funny because like whoever else plays it, it looks like you're tacitly you're like, I do not endorse this. I do not know what's gonna happen. Like that's the worst. This is a really weird. That show. sounds so that sounds like when I went like, to go see uh, This is weird. That sounds like when I went to go see a bunch of DJs at, in Vegas and a collective that I was trying to join and I didn't realize that it was like a kink party, like kink show at an, at this art bar, and I was like just there to support and like you know kiss ass and try to join this this collective and then i turned around after the dj was done and like saw someone getting like flailed on a rack like there was like naked pussy this close to my face and i was like all right just turn back around dude let them enjoy themselves and keep keep pumping your fists yeah (laughs) shout out Outsider yeah, after art. that, I was like, damn, I gotta stop agreeing to stuff. I have to stop agreeing to everything that comes my way. Yeah. Or else I end up Skelly's like, like, what video was this? For a dance party at, hosted at a puppet at a puppet dungeon. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's dungeon. the thing, too, with like being in like fairly small cities with like an experimental electronic scene. Like, you're a lot of the time, you're gonna be playing small shows, it's gonna be showcase style. It's going to be like completely random artists. You might, you know, feel very out of place uh, on the lineup. Um, but most of the time, it's not like that. You know, most of the time, stand even out. yeah, even if it's like small, and unusual, no- normally it's not like aggressive venue owners or something like that. It's it's usually, you know, enjoyable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've played like shows that would like primarily noise artists. Uh, like wondering why I got booked for this. Yeah, you're, uh, you're not but good. Sometimes they want a variety show, bro. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I, I played a show with iClick, and they brought out like all kinds of different people, and that's cool because different crowds bring their friends, and mm-hmm. everybody gets to experience something new. You get some like drum and bass, you get some you know some some weird chopped and screwed shit, some vaporwave. It all kind of intersects. That's yeah. funny. K- K- KJ Valum just suggested a skelly nude set. That I, I probably would not do a nude set, but I would definitely. I would play a. I would play a dungeon party. I would do that. I probably would. Picture be, plane does it. Yeah, I mean, I would. It would. It would be. It would be tasteful, and there would be puppets, of course. There would be puppets. <laughs> there will be puppets. That's my favorite. You know, uh, my favorite P.T. Anderson film. <laughs> there will be puppets. Anyway, what kind of what kind of music what kind of music makes you cry? Makes me cry. Um, uh, Honestly, it's probably you know really powerful ambient music. Most of the time is what I would say makes me feel like the most feelings. I guess like the really like immediate answer that uh comes to mind as something that's like really powerful and emotional is like 
some of the one tricks point never tracks like life in the time of lex pro something like oh, that oh yeah that one is fucking the final I, track of r plus seven chrome that, like. country that like the time lex for the one yeah that's good yeah Definitely. i guess that other other really powerful stuff i get like things that have like a nostalgic attachment to them like oh um, yeah yeah Ooh. i know it's not that'll I mean, do it like something like when i first got into vaporwave you know we would me and my friends we'd all you know we'd like hotbox the car near the lake and like listen mm. to 2814 for like hours on end so now whenever I, I listen to that stuff, you know, there is like an emotional aspect to it because it is kind of emotional music, but you also, you know, have that like remembrance of uh, like first getting into that kind of stuff. One of my favorite things to do is to like, if ever I am like too fucked up, I'll just go turn all the lights off and turn the best of dream catalog I think it's like 2815, 2814, 2816 or whatever. It's that one like hour and a half long comp where it's like mixed. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you haven't heard it, it's just, it's like, it's like one of the most important vaporwave comps in my opinion. And it's just perfect if you're like, just needing to like turn something on and turn all the lights off and listen to. Those kind of albums, like 2814 and uh, Older Telepath and a lot of the Dream Catalog yes. stuff, those are those are honestly still my go-tos to either be in the zone, honestly, or even get out of any kind of zone. You know, it kind of works yeah, both ways. Kind of it's just like so much Old Telepath is just so moving. moving. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's really what I kind of started on, too, so... There's a there's a lot of nostalgia there. I have a funny story about uh, so back when I like I was mentioning we would go like sit in the car near the lake and just listen to 2814 for hours. During that time, uh, my friend actually he ran a radio show on KLSU, which is a, a university channel uh, for LSU. And it would, you know, it like covers the whole city and the surrounding area. So people would be able to like tune into this and it's, it's pretty popular. They have a whole, you know, assortment of music since it's a student uh, kind of channel. And, you know, he ran a vaporwave show there and did these really long ambient mixes. And he was telling me that, uh, you know, people would call in to the channel's number and ask him if it was broken. Like radio was oh, that's so fucking really? fascinating! I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, no, that, they thought that, that, that was something wrong with the actual. To listenings to DDS, dog, your CD is skipping. You gotta fix it. Yeah, yeah, I think it was definitely on the side of like playing like these long, um, you know, stuff like the crazier mesh or like something like useless, um, you know, stuff like that. You played on the radio, like people might uh, get a little scared if they've never heard something like that before. Yeah, some of that mesh stuff can be kind of nauseating, like in a good way. <laughs> Absolutely. Limerence, great question. Limerence is 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 known for their their uh, their cooking um, skills. 
What oh, well yeah. besides their 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 artistry, what is your favorite food that's based specifically in the South slash New Orleans? There's so many good foods, hard to choose. Um I'd say if I had to choose one, I'd I'd probably say like crawfish etouffee maybe. Ooh. Um, I do really enjoy like cooking southern food, like cooking an etouffee or a gumbo or or like um, a roux. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, that's we did basic. That. Yeah. Basic, well, easy to mess up. Takes forever. Absolutely. Um, but if you do it well, then it is it is fantastic. It's it's really fun to cook that kind of stuff. I feel um, like Cajun food is kind of one of those things that can either be really, really, really good or, like, terrible. There's, like, yeah. no in-between. Yeah, you can definitely uh, mess it up pretty easily, and... I feel like a lot of people around here, you know, cooking that kind of food, it's uh, kind of like a, I don't know, a thing that's very like integrated into life. Like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people down here uh, know how to cook that stuff and like grew up kind of cooking that stuff. Um, so I've been making that kind of stuff for, for quite a while. Hell yeah. Out of everything you've made, not, not food, <laughs> music. Out of everything you've made, what do you like the best? Um, you know, unfortunately, that answer is probably always going to be something that's in the vault. But I do have a. a Go ahead an and answer. plug your Patreon. Go ahead. I, uh, I do not have one, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe that you know, I need some way to get that out, but. I'd say probably my favorite thing of stuff that's uh, readily available is the album Seasons Change. Uh, it was me trying to do like a kind of X-Waves type thing, like a somewhere between Vaporwave and Future Funk. And it had like slow moments and uh, fast moments. And it was really kind of, you know, like choppy samples going in and out of different speeds. And... I really like stuff like that in general, and I think that was one of the most fun albums to make. Um, and also, a fun fact about that album, I guess, is that the cover of it is basically just an ode to uh, Shannon's album cover. Like they look, I tried to stylize Ooh, them. Shannon, You're talking about yes. the British artist? Um, I think they were British. I don't think so. <laughs> from from the, are you talking about Shannon from the '80s? They sang "Sweet Somebody." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They might be British. I've, I think I've they were British. I don't know. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that is that is who I'm talking about. I really love her music and a lot. Like probably over half of the samples on that season change album were from Shannon, and I I kind of tried to recreate that album cover in a more vapor wavy style for uh, for that. That was a fun project. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say that's my favorite. Seasons change. Any chance we could get a link in the chat? But in terms of favorites not out yet, um, there's a New Age album that I had been working on. Uh, and I call it the Tranquil Trainer. Okay. Um, and it's kind of based around like a theme around, I would go like Goodwill hunting out random CDs and stuff. And I would just try to find like the weirdest like New Age CDs. And I found can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but basically it was like an old like 90s new age cd that 
um, it was like half music, half like affirmations, and like weird meditative. That sounds fascinating. Voices. But the more I got into it, like the weirder it became. It was like this is not someone making out. This is like a corporation producing oh, new age music. Wow. Yeah. And like they would sell these like meditation CDs. Like in the 90s, you could buy like a subscription to them, you know. They were like very expensive. It did seem like some like cult adjacent kind of thing I had stumbled upon. We got to tell iClick about this. Yeah. That's interesting too that it's like uh, it's mass produced too. So it's like it's specifically it's specifically meant to indoctrinate. You know? That's the most vaporwave thing I've ever heard. Yeah. No, and they're still around. I remember looking them up. Like they're still they're still putting out these these CDs, still selling them for like thirty to fifty dollars a CD. Wow, um, it's crazy. I wish I remember the name. I'll have to post that in the hot take server or something after the fact. Somebody uh, said Hemisync. Hemisync. Who said Hemisync? That? Uh, I think I think that's your buddy. Based, based just on context clues. Yeah, probably so. Well, that is the correct name, and you can look them up. You can go look up the Hemisync website. Shout out, they're, buddy. Yeah, they're still with us. Um, and it's just crazy. Like, the, the deeper you go into it, you're like, oh, this is maybe not so good. Um, but it's just really interesting, and the whole album that I have in the vault is kind of centered around kind of satirizing this idea. Like, it's kind of vaporwave and new age mixed in with, like, commercials about, like, buy this tape to enhance your mind uh i felt i've never felt a decalcify like, your pineal gland yeah like literally like vaporwave mixed with like the hemisync stolen samples of them saying stuff like that or like sampling their commercials like five payments of 9.99 to receive this cd that's funny yeah just pitch that shit down yeah so i'm, I'm hoping to put that out eventually um that's one of the things i was hoping to work on uh liminal garden with and, uh, Honestly, dude, heavy. that that method of crate digging is super respectable and and underrated. I was hanging out on the uh, friend zone server, um, a chlorine mist. Uh, previous guest on the show, they were talking about how their their previous like uh, mate, their their late uh, bandmate, would just go to Goodwill and buy like random CDs, and some of their best like cloud rap beats were because of like random Goodwill CDs they found. Oh wow. No, it's it's so. fantastic. It's it's really interesting, like because a lot of these I'll find like, you know, most of them are like corporation produced, like just corporations producing. You know, not all of them are a cult. A lot of the times it's just like this corporation is producing meditation music that would be sold in like a Walmart in cap aisle. But you listen to some of this, and I'm like, damn, this is some of the like best ambient music I've ever heard, and it's on this like. CD that probably maybe nobody has listened to in the past decade, and it yeah, was just some, made. Uh, ghost writer out there made the beat, and like nobody cared. Yeah, like somebody in their cubicle, like at their nine to five, produced like the most fire ambient track like, I've ever heard. So you can tell, like, <laughs> it's just part they of the were job. Putting, like putting their whole soul into it, despite. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, I should I should have had some of those on tap because some of the the visuals on them are like absolutely insane. Oh really? It's kind of. Yeah, just like crazy, like '90s kind of new agey. Like you see, like a rotating, like light up 
skeleton and muscle guy you know like oh yeah 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 that's crazy oh this sounds oh yeah you're talking about that like the meme like the ascended guy yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Ascended guy. oh that this sounds fascinating you, you gotta we gotta you gotta dig into this stuff and bring it to us Oh, this is this is so I'll, fucking I'll, badass. I want to go to Baton Rouge and go crate digging with device operator. <laughs> That's so fun. I need to do that more often. I need to go to Goodwill and just hit up. A lot of Goodwills have removed their CD sections, though, unfortunately, around here. Damn. Uh, it's getting harder to find. I like, too, that uh, some a lot of these albums, especially, like, the cultier ones, they would have, like, medical warnings on them, like, these super long warnings, like... Do not drive or operate machinery while listening to the New Age music experience. Please contact your doctor if you start to have alternative thoughts. Like it's so wow. weird. This is like it's like they, they consider it like a sonic, uh, the, the sonic uh, version of a benzodiazepine. Yeah. God yeah, damn, that's so fascinating. It's you really need, weird. You stuff. need a prescription to listen to this CD. Yeah, Put it down. It's a controlled <laughs> substance. The pharmacist has to give you the CD. You have to fucking imagine. It's just like, oh, hey, it only gets 30 plays. You got to come back to the doctor if you want 30 but, uh, for refills. <laughs> Device, does your family or do your friends listen to your music? Uh, they do. I, I would say they, they, they do. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, what do they think? Yep. Elaborate. Well, if they think it's shit, they're not going to tell me. But uh, it's very so. nice. <laughs> Why do they catch do, these hands? Know, yeah some of you know some of my friends though um not a lot of them but a few of them were into vape wave and we kind of all got into it around the same time so i think they definitely can can appreciate it and i know definitely you know like my parents and family they listen to it and appreciate it and, um my my parents actually they uh there was like this new cake designer in town or something that like everyone was fawning over and yeah my parents for they're like oh we really want to use this cake designer so for my birthday they they had made a kiwi pop cake i saw oh, I that your parents got that made yeah. for some i thought it was like your spouse or partner that's adorable it was so well made too and i've had a custom cake made before i was like this shit wasn't cheap yeah I was like astounded. I did not ex expect that at all. That's crazy. That's Shout so beautiful. I love that. Shout out device operator, mom and dad. Oh, that's true. Absolutely. And shout out whoever the new like cake artist is. I don't know their name, but I know, right? This Apparently they're taking the town by artist. storm. The talk of the town. Yeah. When you find a song that you like, how many times do you listen to it on repeat before you ruin it? A lot. Or do you do you um, consciously try not to ruin, or do you just like whatever happens happens? No, I I I just ruin it. Honestly, probably the one I I did that most recently with was um, you know George Clinton's most recent album, Urapaya. Um, especially right because he had come to New Orleans recently, like about a month ago, and you know I wanted to be able to like sing along with the lyrics and you know like be in the zone when he was performing live. So. For a few weeks prior to that, I was just listening to like nothing but that on repeat. And definitely uh, didn't kill it, but you know, could have stretched out a little longer. I'm bad about that. What well, What was your favorite track on Urapaya? Um, I've been young, definitely. Damn, uh, got to be justify your life for me. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> they're all, they're all they're all pretty good. It honestly it it took me a while to come around to that. 
uh, whole album. But like once I really got into it, I was like, damn, this is some heavy stuff and some like really powerful stuff. It's good. It's good. He did well. How and do you he feel about? Does. He does. He does. Uh, you know the the stakes are high after slide. The stakes are high. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the show in uh, that he just came to recently, he was actually like, you know, telling the crowd, he's like, oh, I tell every city this that they're my favorite to play, but New Orleans, you're actually my favorite to play. And uh, he was like, part of Slide was actually recorded in New Orleans. Apparently, they they stayed in New Orleans for a while and you know recorded some of the Slide songs there. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's badass. I didn't know that. I love that. I'm not sure when it was. I think it was maybe. I don't know. Maybe after mid 2010, somewhere in that era. Because I remember going to a lot of their shows. Like they would have a ton of shows in New Orleans for about a year. And I think it's because either they were like staying there briefly or like a very extended visit with a friend or something like that. Um, but it was really interesting to learn that they were they were here for quite a while. How do you feel about Christmas music? I love Christmas music. We actually- Do you uh, listen to it other parts of the year or just during Christmas? Um. I won't like. I want to know what you think too, Skelly. No, what's that? I want to know what you think as well. Oh, yeah, I won't like actively seek it out during other parts of the year, but I, I definitely like Christmas music. Like I like all the classics, but also I started getting into like, you know, all these '80s funk and soul artists. They'll have put out Christmas albums. I just recently discovered that. Oh, that like have, the Alexander O'Neill album. Yes, they'll have like you know these Christmas albums that are full of classics, but in like a super funky and groovy style. And I just think that's fantastic. And I've always wanted to like put out a Christmas album, Vaporwave album sampling that old 80s funk uh, Christmas stuff. And I got a bit of an opportunity to do that because you know, Pacific Plaza Records, they put out a Christmas album. Uh, shout out if you're looking for you know, I think there are still some copies available of that Christmas compilation. And I got some 80s sampled Christmas music on there. I think a Utopia District did one as well. So shout out Pacific Plaza and Utopia District for keeping the spirit of Christmas alive. What do you think about comedy music? Um, you know, honestly, I don't. I don't listen to a, a lot of what would be like maybe classified as comedy music, though. But I have to. I have to approve of it because I feel like a lot of people would consider some of the stuff you know we listen to as vaporwave appreciators comedy music. Like that, someone might think Floral Shop is like a meme. Uh, that know, is a good point. That's a pretty common. You know, thing people will maybe think of that music as a meme. You know, I personally don't think it's great. You know, high artwork. Um, but yeah, I would say I haven't really listened to much comedy music, so I can't really can't really have a good opinion on it. Um, but I'll give anything a chance. So I guess if anybody knows of any good comedy albums, you know, I, I would definitely like some Rex. I uh, I like comedy and I like music, but comedy music just. I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah, I do tend to like, like comedy. Like, music, like, it's got to be serious. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know any comedy music. Like, if I think of like comedy music, I think of like I don't know, Lonely Island. And I don't. I mean, Lonely Island. Like, that's okay. But I wouldn't right. like to seek it out or play the concords. What's up? Play the concords. No, nobody. I don't think I've heard. That yeah, anymore. no, I remember Flight of the Concords. They were Australian, right? New Zealand. That's it's close. <laughs> Get good yeah, on you. Our our uh, our Kiwi viewers are gonna be like, what? What visuals do you see when you listen to your music, or when you are like creating music? What what images in your mind do you see? Like if you made a music video for yourself, what do you see? Um. So I guess it would change a lot depending on like the type of music uh, that I'm I'm currently working on. That's fair. Uh, I guess with the I kind of find it easier to maybe make slow music more thematic. I don't know why, um, but I guess I know, feel if that. I'm doing yeah. Like a new age album, I'd be envisioning like you know maybe these like you know weird. Like somebody making, uh, you know, like I was talking about somebody like making new age music in like a cubicle, but it's like the dreamiest stuff you've ever heard. You think about like, maybe what is their mindset? Like they're like, maybe envision like their mind, you know, being completely different than their environment. Um, I like a lot of the like old, you know, 3D render type stuff, like Bryce renders that you might see on like a cover of an old new age album or a cover of a new Vaporwave album. Like the mind's eye stuff. Oh, absolutely. That's just fantastic. I love those videos. Um, I guess in terms of like actually usable stuff, honestly, I love to like when making like a set or like a music video, I love to cut up uh, like Winamp uh, visualizers, like uh, watch those and cut them up. And there's like millions of them, but they're all kind of the same same vibe, and you can like cut them up and layer them. I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, That's sick. Hard as fuck. What is an album that was made before the 2000s that you would make an honorary Vaporwave album? Ooh. Oh. Really interesting question. I think I can shout our viewers out for that one. That's a really tough question. Uh, I'm terrible with names off the top of my head. I'll, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, it, it would probably, I probably can't come up with a specific name off the fly, but it's got to be some of those like 80s funk and soul albums. Like, I mean, a lot of them are, you know, pretty standard funk music, but some of them like get completely off the rails. Like I know, uh, like Renee and Angela is one that comes to mind. Uh, like some, especially some of those songs, like intros, they'll have like long extended intros that'll just be like completely off the rails, uh, like super ambient soundscapes, uh, all kinds of ear candy and stuff like that happens before it drops into kind of traditional 80s funk music. And I guess it would be really interesting to see some of those artists maybe you get to explore that in a more full uh kind of format rather than these kind of elaborate intros that don't get to be fully uh conceptualized maybe like a complete degree i'm sure there's stuff out like that out there well that, said 
I just can't think of at the moment. One last question before we go into our outro. What is your favorite one-hit wonder? Oh, that's a... um, (laughs) That's a good one. I don't know if... I guess you could maybe consider, like, Shannon a one-hit wonder, like, let the music play. But she was pretty big other than that. But there's one I'm specifically thinking of that I uh, can't remember the name of. So bad with names. Um... If I could I mean, call in like the friend card, someone in the chat might be able to. Right, exactly right. Is it a Shannon know, track or somebody else? No, it wasn't a Shannon track. It was. Um, I'm gonna remember it, like right after this and be so mad. But you can always throw it in the Discord. That's if, so true. If you guys want, if you guys want the extended experience, join the Discord. Yeah, I can like picture what I'm thinking uh, of, but uh, yeah. Damn, describe it. I kind of want to know. Like, I really want to know. It was uh, like a female vocalist. Um, was it very Vanessa kinda, Williams? Like, Janet Jackson, Melissa Morgan. No, someone way like actually one hit wonder. Yes, I just got the friend, the call in on what I'm talking about. Uh, Two of Hearts by Stacy Q, I think. That's probably my favorite. Yeah. That Damn. That's a good Such one. Exactly I don't know that, that song. Long, I want to hear it now. That's a great song. That's, that's what I was wow, thinking. Wow, somebody helped it. Wow. Shout out to homie. Two aardvarks. <laughs> Two aardvarks. <laughs> yeah, it's electric noise. That's funny. <laughs> May as well go ahead and begin our outro. At this point in the show, we usually like to give you the floor and kind of let you shout out whatever you want, promote anything that you want to put a spotlight on that's important to you, whatever you like. Sure, uh... Well, thank you all for for watching. Really enjoyed being on the show. Um, and I'd say, I guess, if you want to check out some of my music, I'd say to check out uh, Kiwi Pop on Pacific Plaza Records. I released that a few months ago, right before Econ. Um, it's kind of upbeat, kind of future funk, trying to fit the future funk I was making previously into a more of a ravey, DJable type vibe. Um, and so I definitely say check that out on Pacific Plaza Records and uh, just also just stay tuned. I'm hoping to dump a lot of stuff from the vault recently and do some more, get some more of the slower music that I've had kind of locked away on the world. So if you're not really into the, the faster stuff, there may be something, you know, some stuff that's more of that, the slower alley as well. Um, and that's all I really had to push, I guess. I'm probably I'm most active on Instagram if you like keep up with my work there i am on twitter but i don't use that as much uh, so i guess check me out on instagram check out pacific plaza records and thank you all shout for out pacific me on. plaza yeah. absolutely i don't really have much to uh to talk about skelly um so just uh flamingo fest was fire shout out indie utopia district enzo jay and tom uh, my pet flamingo, it was fire. And uh, stay tuned because uh, more will be coming from Young Shira. I'm going to take a little bit of a break during the winter months. I don't like to drive in snow and ice. So, you know, maybe some live stream action happening. And I got stickers for sale. Great big, huge 6-inch by 3.5-inch stickers. You can get them on my Insta. Or just shoot me a DM if you want one. So, since that's all I have... 
go ahead and give us what you got. Okay, so I'll confirm this officially, I think, by tomorrow. But uh, December 10th at the Yuki Club in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, skeleton Lipstick, Orograph, and Frank Javsey. Hell yeah! I gotta confirm that officially tomorrow. Uh, because I had some, had some bunch of problems with the venue uh, with that. But now I think I finally have the right one venue for that. And uh, it should be, yeah, December 10th. Uh, Frank Javsey, Skeleton Lipstick, Orograph. I should complete that by tomorrow. If you were not at Orograph set at Flamingo Fest, you made a mistake. He's amazing live. His set was stupid hard. It was amazing. nasty as fuck. I damn near cried. I just, so I just go. Gotta make sure. Yeah, the, the show was originally supposed to be on the 9th, but then the venue that I was using double booked us. And so then, like, I had to move it, but I think I got it all figured out now. So let's, let's uh, we just talk. We just get that confirmed tomorrow. Hopefully, I can announce it tomorrow officially. Nice. That's awesome. I, I, I really love Warcraft's music. I wish I could have uh, seen him play before, but I actually never never have. You gotta. Not only are they amazing live, but they're just such a cool, sweet, chill, yeah. friendly, inviting, humble person. Sure. I will ride hard for Orograph all day. I love that episode. All right. Oh, it show should be eighteen plus as well. I think so. That'll be good too. Sick. Once you have the once you have the link, um, send it to me, and I'll throw it in the contest Discord. To, since, I, you know, since we have to, I just need to do one more little confirmation tomorrow morning, and hopefully, I'm just I'm gonna put a shoot it out there. Bianca should have a flyer. Already has this, a flyer. Is this? Uh, ooh, B fans. All right. Is this? Um, he, is this terminally chill, or is this? Um, it can be terminally chill presents. We'll, call, we'll see. Terminally chill presents. Terminally chill presents. Can be a lot gotcha. Glad to have you back on the map, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody that is a regular, thanks for coming. Everybody that's new, welcome to the family. You gotta, you gotta check out our back episodes. You gotta come to the next one. We are on all major streaming platforms. That's Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Audible. Check us out. Uh, I'm gonna drop the link to follow us. Uh, don't forget to follow Skelly if you want to check out his work. He's uh, got a new album coming up. You didn't say anything about it. Uh, what I've heard from it sounds fucking badass. Like, can't wait to hear it. Yes. Uh, follow right. me if you like a uh, if you like your dance floor to be set on fire. Follow me and book me. Uh, and of course, you guys are invited to join our Discord server. It is ridiculous. We got a lot of homies out there uh, that uh, that we uh, you know chat about art and music with, or just look at cursed memes and and talk about ridiculous food opinions. Jump in the Discord. Jump, uh, jump in our Spotify. We've got curated playlists, courtesy of a series of, of former guests. Great playlists and mixes uh, made by actual artists that you that you fuck with. Check it out. And then, of course, uh, if you feel so led, all donations go straight to the show, straight towards commissioning your friends, uh, paying for for our expenses to keep bringing this show to you. Uh, and then, of course, shout out to the community, um, Indie Advent, Utopia District, Tiger Blood Tapes. Thanks for all your help. Uh, yes, be sure so. to follow the homie. Uh, and thanks to all of our mods. Thanks to Lux for making sure that my headphones worked. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, thanks to Device Operator for bringing, uh, you know, making time out of out of your evening and bearing with us when we couldn't broadcast, you know, a couple weeks ago. We've got a great special guest coming up, but we don't know who it's going to be yet. Still working on that. But same time, same place, two weeks from now, that's Monday, 
9 p.m. Eastern uh, on the 27th of November. Be there. Thank you so much, guys. Have a lovely night, and check out the new iClick album.